I hope today we are encouraged to lean in to the personal story of a man who made a choice to say yes to the assignment God was giving him. But before we do, you know, what's beautiful about this series that we're going through is it all comes from the word of God and it's stories of people who had encounters with God or they were in the midst of a decision that they had to make or an encounter with someone else, a choice that was before them and their response, their reaction alter. It changed everything to the trajectory of their life and impacted the lives of others. And some of them made a good choice that yielded blessing in their life and for those around them. And others made a poor choice, the wrong choice. And because of that, it wasn't blessing, but things were taken away from them or even curses, not from God, but because they walked out of the covering of his will on this journey. And so God is inviting us into this journey because he's doing something and he wants us to be a part of it with him. He desires for us to be in his work and I'm excited about saying yes together to what he has before us. Good things, blessings, provision, God things. So this today is being commissioned to ruins. Now, some of you might think, to ruin? No, not to go destroy things. That's what toddlers like to do. It's great. You build something, they tear it down. Are you being commissioned to be ruined yourself? No. To ruins, to broken places. Now, ruin is the type of word, if you keep saying it over and over again, it doesn't sound like a word again. Have you ever experienced that? You say, ruin, 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 ruin. It's called semantic satiation. You're not crazy. There's an actual reason when you're sitting there and you say, I said this word and it doesn't sound like, is it a word? Is this a word? And you have that moment. Semantic satiation. It's just you keep saying a word over and over again and it doesn't sound like a word anymore. But we're called to ruins, broken places. And it's not just a word we say, it's the reality that we see every day because our world is broken. Because of sin, It has fractured so much of the being of humanity, of communities and society, of families. And so we are constantly around broken places, rubble, ruins. You walk into it every day. When you leave this place, when you wake up in the morning, maybe you walk into it right in your kitchen because of the brokenness in your household. Maybe you walk into it when you go to work and you see the ruins and the brokenness around you. Maybe you walk into it when you're on the streets and you pass those who are in a difficult place. No matter what, the evidence of a broken world is around us, but you and I have been commissioned, you and I have been called to go into broken places. And the reason we can do that with hope is because of who has commissioned us. Who has commissioned us? God has commissioned us. So I want to share a little story with you. My grandfather, just a goat, as they would say. You all know what a goat is? People are like, that's disrespectful. No, it's just, I'll let someone explain it to you. 
But he's just an original, just Italian, strong, successful man. Loved God, loved his family, loved hard work. Joe Tomei, that was my mother's father. I called him Pop or Poppy. Anyone got a Pop or a Poppy around here? You know what I'm saying? Yeah? Okay, not Poppy Seeds. Poppy. So he was just a very successful construction man and had a company in New York City in Westchester. And so one of the things was when Anna and I had just gotten married and we were still in Oklahoma, we came out to visit on a, for a week. And uh, he said, Stevie, you taking, uh, you taking Anna to the city? I said, yeah, yeah. He's like, I got a spot. That generation, man, they had a spot. They had a spot. People knew him. He said, it's, it's an Italian restaurant club, but you can't get in unless you give him my name. I'm like, I'm in, Pop. This is awesome. My Midwest wife from Oklahoma is about to experience it the New York Italian way, and it's gonna feel real cool. So we get dressed up, and we go to this spot in the city. We walk up to it. Look, hi, how you doing? The man's name was Romeo. This is legit. Romeo's there. I said, hey, Romeo, I'm here for a good meal with my wife. Like I do this all the time, you know? He's like, all right. Who are you with? I said, Joe Tomei. He's like, right this way, sir. I'm looking at Anna, I'm like, so we go down, seven course meal, blocks of cheese this big, they're just scraping it out. I'm like, more, more. I mean, this is the way some people live. Well, for me and Anna, it was like, whoa, this is awesome. Why? Because of who sent us. If I would have just said my name, or I like this place, it's got great reviews, we'd like a seat. Sorry, you're not allowed here. But because of who sent us, we're able to go there and experience that meal and that moment. There we go. I don't have any more membership to that place, so you can't, you can't get a free meal from it. But here's the thing that God's doing. He is sending you and I into places, into spaces, into situations and circumstances And because he is the one sending us, there is healing, there is hope, and there is anointing in our hands. There are meals to be prepared in people's lives who are hungry and who are starving, and the world can't feed them, but you and I can because of who sent us. A commissioning and an assignment from God. And the thing about a biblical commission is it's really special and sacred. Because it's not about your experience, your abilities, your skills, your pedigree, where you came from, the line you came from. It's about who's sending you. Your abilities, your gifts, your skills and talents are great. Sharpen them all you want. That's a healthy and holy thing to do. But the commissioning and calling that you can walk into a place with authority is not because of your own authority and skill sets, but the authority of the one who sent you. And so that's what God's doing here. And you could think of Michelangelo with the Sistine Chapel. You know, he's commissioned to do this work because of his skills and talents. But some of you are like, I don't have it. I'm not good at that. Or you're thinking of all your inability or your disabilities. But God is looking at you and he's calling to you. And it's not this professional thing. It's personal. See, professional, it's job orders, There may even be the fear that you would lose your job if your boss came to you and they said, okay, I've got something for you. You gotta go do this. Here's your assignment for the next month, six months to a year. Here's what you gotta do. You're gonna say, I should say yes to this because if I don't, I could lose my job and I need that. But see, this is a family. 
And there's a beauty when the father comes to his sons and to his daughters, no matter your age, your pedigree, your skills, your talents, your background. When you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God and he comes to you and he says, I've got an assignment for you. There is such an honor in saying yes and fulfilling that and being commissioned into it because it's a family, not just a profession, not just a disconnected memo that's been handed to you that you've got to do a checklist of, but something beautiful. And many times in our journey with God, when we're on that path, the ups and the downs, and we're following his voice and his lead, and sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's difficult, we often look for affirmation. Affirmation is a great thing. I mean, who doesn't love affirmation? Who's like, please, somebody tell me all the bad things I do. I want to know. If you do, we have great counselors and we need to talk to you. And we'll just sit there and we'll tell you for an hour, you're wonderful, you're beautiful, you're smart, you're kind. No, but we look for affirmation. Am I, is it, are you, yeah, it's, it's good, okay, good, how am I doing? But see, when you say yes to God because he's commissioned you, because you've had the moment with him, because there's an encounter between you and him and you know you're not alone and you feel the father's love, which is affirming enough, the father's love, not the love of the world or the love of humanity, but the father's love that affirms you. Then when you walk in his way and his yes, you begin to know you're going the right way by his provision. Because he will always provide for those who are walking in his ways. And he will provide enough for you and he will provide plenty for all those that you encounter. So you and I are called into this by a loving father. And I just pray today before we jump right into the text in the story that for some of you, you need to be reminded of this. Maybe you've just forgotten life has gotten busy and you've forgotten that there is a God who is calling you. When we hear calling and we hear assignment and commissioning, we get a little uncomfortable because we think, are you gonna put me on a plane and send me far away? Are you gonna require me to sell everything I have and then just go somewhere? Are you gonna ask me to move? Are you gonna ask me to quit my job? And we go to all these extremes and listen, God can do that, but the majority of the calling and assignment by God, when you read through this beautiful and holy book called the Bible, you see the stories of those who were living very regular lives and even in the regularity, and the normalcy and the place they go to every day, there was an assignment for them in that space and in that place to do something for God and he was with them. And it was the simple things and it was the beautiful simple things such as the household, the workplace, the streets, their hometown, someone they encountered. And it's often not for years and years and a lifetime, but maybe a month six months, a year, a few weeks, or a moment. See, we are called by God to be his children, his hands and his feet in all that we do, but there are these assignments he gives us and the anointing comes upon us for such times as this. And that is the story of a man named Nehemiah who is not a prophet, 
and was not a priest. He had a secular profession in a secular world, but there was a sacred calling upon his life. Before we read, can we just pray that our hearts would be open, that the word of God wouldn't just be things we hear, but it would be woven into our heart. Lord, we thank you for your words. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your hope. We thank you for your love. As we lean into this story here, we pray that we will feel you leaning into us in our hearts and in our minds. Sow and weave the words and truth of your revelation into us that we may walk out a people changed, not because of man's words, but because of your presence. And we say all of this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Nehemiah chapter one. We'll read the whole chapter, 11 verses. Now just to give a little context to what you're jumping into in the story. It had been 70 years, approximately 70 years since Jerusalem and the temple was destroyed and overtaken by the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar. And because of that, many of the people of God were scattered into exile. And now, during Nehemiah's time, who was a young man born to a family, a Jewish family in Persia, and he was born into a place in a time of exile, There is now the first Persian empire who had defeated the Babylonians and now Persia was ruling. And here in this moment, Nehemiah has a moment and everything is changed. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them, I asked them questions about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man, speaking of the king. And Nehemiah then tells us, I was a cupbearer to the king. 
Now, before that report that he received from his friends about what was taking place in Jerusalem, until he finally went to the king and spoke to him and left, it was four months. There was process involved. It wasn't just an immediate thing. There was a process. Before we jump right into learning from Nehemiah's life and how it applies to us today, and I believe it's not just something we look at with our mind, but it's really going to affect the way we live our every day. We'll see the power of God and who he is. I just feel different even than first service to, to stop here and pause and say, some of you feel like you are in the rubble. Some of you feel very broken. Some of you feel very scattered, defenseless, as if everything has come around you and you even feel like the walls of Jerusalem, the reality of them being gone. Might as well just be dust. My prayer today is for those of you who feel this way, even if it's just a few, that you would know there is a God who sees you and hears you just like he heard the cries of the people there in Jerusalem in the ruined cities of Judah. That you would know he hears you and he's sending Nehemiahs into your life to guide you to rebuilding so you can be filled with his presence just like that city would be filled with the presence of God. That's just a moment I felt to share for maybe somebody here. The moment of Nehemiah's commissioning. His assignment came from a place of inquiry. He asked a question. He asked a question. You know, We live in the reality of a world where there's a lot more monologue than dialogue. We sit there with a screen or a screen and it speaks to us. And if you're a little crazy, you speak back to it sometimes. (laughs) All this monologue, monologue, monologue. And even now, this is a sacred moment, but it's really me speaking to all of you, and it's not necessarily a conversation. There's no dialogue here. But you know, many times in our life, we'll realize that the most sacred and profound and revelatory moments with us and others or between us and God was not in a moment of monologue, but dialogue. A conversation around a fire with friends and family. A dinner at a table, laughing together, crying together, sitting down with one another and having a deep dialogue. Nehemiah asked a question, and because he asked that question, all of a sudden, it opened up something so that God could get in. My question for you and I is this. Do we see people in the spaces and places that we go into? Are we just living a life of monologue or do we stop to be present with others? And do we see people or do we look over people? Come on, you all know when people are looking over you in a conversation. They're just looking for a better conversation with someone else. You ever experienced that before? You know what I love to do when that happens? I'm like, I know this person isn't listening to me. I just say crazy things to see. I'm like, I'm an astronaut. I'll be taking off tomorrow to Mars, first one ever. They're like, oh, yeah, brother, that's great, man. That's good. You do that. You say yes. I'm like, yeah, you ain't listening to me. 
just looking over people. Do you see people? Do you see them? Or do we just look over them? Do we walk into rooms? Or do we just walk through rooms? See, many of you work a job. Many of you are in school. Many of you are at home. Did we get everyone there? See? And the places you show up to every day, whether you just walk 100 feet down into the kitchen and the living room and you're there staying at home with your children, or whether you have to drive an hour and a half to New York City and you commute, or whether you go into a school and you're a student, you're going into broken places where there's broken lives. And if you just look at it as ruins and not an opportunity for God to do something, then you're gonna miss out You're just gonna see over people and you're just gonna walk through those rooms. But if you begin to say this prayer when you wake up in the morning or when you're in the car before you open the door and you get out and go into work, if you begin to say this, God, let me see what you're doing and let me be a part of it today here in this place. When you begin to ask questions of others' lives, and also ask questions of God, God, what are you doing here? You'll begin to be more present and see people. Tim and Larry, who you work with every day, you sit down and you just don't see them, you just know you gotta work with them to get the commissions that you need, the salary you need. But if you begin to stop and look at them and say, hey Tim, hey Larry, how's your family? All of a sudden, it becomes sacred and holy moments where God can begin to stir something in you. And you realize that the call and the vocation upon your life, the calling of God, the assignment upon you, is not limited to your profession, though he will move through your profession to bring others to his goodness. Nehemiah Ask a question. Do we walk into rooms or just through them? It's easy for you, you and I to walk through a room, but you know when you walk into it and you say, I'm here, let's see what God's doing. You'll begin to see people. Get ready for the excitement because now the boring job that you had that you can't wait to retire, the schooling that you're like, once I'm done, then my life begins, all those things Now your life, you go, oh, I love my job. Oh, it's still boring. But guess what? When I go in there, I'm seeing people. I'm not just walking through rooms. I'm walking into them. I'm having encounters with people. We're having Bible studies together. We never thought we'd do that. I'm having conversations and prayer times literally in the break room because God is doing something in your household where you just feel so overwhelmed with just the demands on your life and your children and all that you have there. When you wake up in the morning, you realize I have a moment to pour into this little heart and this soul. I've got 18 years before they're out on their own and so today something sacred and beautiful is going to happen God what can I be a part of today that you're building in them there and all of a sudden the mundane things become sacred and holy just because we began to ask some questions we began to be present we began to see people and that's when we see revival break out Nehemiah inquired and asked don't forget that Jesus even after the resurrection 
He walked through walls to be in the room with people. His disciples were hiding and afraid. And he walked through those walls to be in there with them. What walls are up in people's lives that when you begin to have the same heart as God, you'll walk right through those walls and there'll be sacred moments. Don't underestimate who our God is. He can do the impossible. Nehemiah felt the calling of God before he knew what it was or how it would happen. He felt it. And the story tells us he wept. He wept. He felt something even before he knew how it was all going to work out and what he felt was holy. We are called to be a people of feeling and emotions. Now, you and I are not called to be mastered by our emotions and feelings because if we are mastered by them, we will just spiral in cyclones of depression and ups and downs like a roller coaster. But they're meant to serve us and be a part of who we are. He created us to feel, to think, to live, to experience. So Nehemiah in that place, all of a sudden when he hears the report, it hits him and it's heavy and it weighs upon him. And he begins to weep. I can remember a time in my life where I came back in between school out in Oklahoma. I was single at that time. I wasn't married. So I'm break at home with my parents. We were sitting at the kitchen table they were asking me some questions. They were asking me good questions. And all of a sudden, I just broke down and started weeping. I mean, uncontrollable, gross weeping. You know what I'm talking about? Like everything's coming out of everywhere, you know? You're like, can't talk through it. You're shaking, that type of weeping. And all I could get out was I said, all I know is that I feel God like doing something in me. And I have no idea what it means. And my parents just said this, just stay there. Let them do it. They didn't try to solve it or figure it out. I just stayed there in that place. And that's when God began to carve out my calling and my vocation and what the next assignment was for my life because I felt him do something deep in me. So church, this is what I'm saying to all of us. Let him do that. Let him encounter you in a deep way. And that affected Nehemiah. It changed him. It altered him from the inside out. He began to be different. It carved something out of him so God could pour more into him. And suddenly the call and the assignment and the vocation he would have began to be formed. But do you know where it was really and truly formed? In the secret place. He prayed. I tell you all the time, scripture declares it to us. Prayer is not just a transition or words that we throw up in monologue. It's an intimate relationship with God where he can begin to do things inside of us. And Nehemiah's posture to go and to pray before the Lord with all the feels that he had allowed God to begin to formulate and give him clear direction on what he was supposed to do. See, I think many times we as the people of God have a moment of deep feelings and encounters with God, like on a Sunday morning or at a retreat or a meeting together, but we never take it into the chamber of prayer. 
And so we have a million dreams on our wall, but no practical steps to the call he's given us. When you take those feelings into the secret place of the Most High, when you break away from the noise and the calendar and the busyness, and you get alone with God in that place of prayer, all of a sudden he begins to form deep things in you. And he gives you direction and clarity and provision. The worship team can come back up at this time. And there's process. I know we don't like that word, but it's a holy and it's a good word. For four months, Nehemiah is letting this weight of the Father's heart and a burden. See, God has burdens for the world around us. He had a burden for you. Someone said yes, and because of that, you're here. He wants to place his heart in your heart and mine. And Nehemiah just let it bake and bake and bake inside of him and be formed. It wasn't immediate. He was a cupbearer, probably did the same similar thing every day. And as he did those things, God was still forming and building something in him. Don't underestimate the process he's placed you in on what he's cultivating and creating inside of you because it made him ready for the task ahead of him. It made him ready. You know, one day he would become a governor of Judah, but he was still a cupbearer. If you feel that God can only use you for assignment, for what he wants to do in the world around us, because of your professional title or your lack of a professional title, you're missing the whole story of God. Nehemiah is a man who's just living in a secular job and he's doing good work and all of a sudden a moment happens starting with a question. God captivates his heart after that question. He begins to feel things he never felt before and weep in ways he's never wept before. And all of a sudden, he goes to the one place he knows to go to, which is that place of prayer on his knees. God, what are you doing? What are you forming? What are you building in me? And he's praying, he's fasting through it, and God is carving out the man that he would be. And see, before Nehemiah could have the hands to literally go and rebuild the walls of a city, God had to captivate and capture his heart first. He had to get inside of him. He had to begin to remove things inside of him so he could place more anointing within him and upon him so then when the moment came Nehemiah was ready for what God had church what is he doing in you right now whatever it is it's beautiful if you avail yourself to his hands maybe before you try to just get real busy with your own hands let your heart and emotions feel him Let him do work inside of you. Find him in the secret place. See people around you. Don't keep trying to get away from your circumstance and your environment, but begin to ask God, what can you do in the midst of my circumstance and environment? And I promise you, he will trust you with more and more and more. Can we stand up this afternoon? We're going to talk more about Nehemiah next Sunday. We're going to go a little deeper and further into the story. We begin to see the workings of God, but we're supposed to pause right here in this place. You want to know why? Because God wants moments with you. He wants to give you the burden of his heart for the world around you. 
And it's much more local than it is global. He is doing global things that are so powerful and beautiful and he is calling people unto those works. But the majority of us are called to the sacred place of the everyday. And in that, he is working. He wants to place something upon your heart. And when you feel it, whenever you feel it, you go into that time of prayer. You break away from the noise. You get on your knees and you say, God, whatever you're doing, I say yes to it and watch what he begins to do. Stop letting the scenery define you and your surroundings cage you. Your fears lead you. Don't let the world's reports write and dictate your calling. Don't let what the world says is happening in the world say then I can't do anything about it. Don't you dare do that. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He wasn't a builder. He wasn't a masonry. He didn't do that. He was a cup builder. Here's the cup. I drink it. I didn't die. Good king. You can drink it. That was his job. Sacred and trustworthy. But God was beginning to work something in him. So don't let the news or the limitation on your title or your abilities or what you feel your disabilities are suddenly sidetrack you and sideline you away from God's calling. When God calls you and commissions you, when he gives you an assignment, it is not about what you can do or where you will go. What is it about? Who sent you and he is calling you and I into the places and spaces of brokenness to rebuild and to see healing and wholeness in a world that feels so hopeless. He is raising up Nehemiahs to have the hands to build because our hearts have been captivated by his heart. That's what he's calling us into. Let him form you. Let him activate something inside of you. Let his anointing begin to pour over you. And as he does, you watch what he is going to do. See, it was never just about the walls physically. It was about God getting back to the heart of his people. And there are people in the world around us outside of these walls that need to be captivated with their hearts by the love and the forgiveness and the grace of God brought into a family and he's going to start with our hearts and then he's going to use our hands.